I'm glad I didn't wear my Hawkeye shirt today. <laughs> I'm sure you are. Um, has been, as has been mentioned, um, my name is Dave Scott. I'm uh, a Reformed Church in America pastor, now retired, and uh, the relief pitcher for uh, pastors who get sick and pastors who go on vacation and uh, things like that, and have an opportunity to, to bring God's Word to different places. So um, I'm excited to be back here, not for the reason that Aaron is not able to be here this morning. Because it sounds like uh, this week has been no fun for him and his family at all. Um, most of the time, I think when Aaron can't be here, his dad, Tony, is here. Um, Tony and I went to uh, college together, and also we were in seminary at the same time. So um, that's kind of the connection and how you ended up with me this morning uh, instead of someone else. But it's good to be here. had the opportunity to be here last summer on one occasion, and it's always it's good to come back and see some different faces. That's good. Uh, so it's an honor for me to be here uh, with you this morning and to join you in worship. If you think back, um, what is the first prayer that you ever prayed? Maybe it's him. Yeah. All right, the prayer of salvation. Any any others? Remember any prayers you prayed? Or maybe the first time you, you prayed? Yeah. That's that's the one that, that I remember. There there are two that I remember. Uh, one was God is great and God is good, and we thank him for this food. By his hand we all are fed. Thank you, Lord, for daily bread. Amen. And we went through it as fast as we could because we didn't want the food to get cold. But the other one that I remember even more, at least in thinking about it, is now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Now, if you think about that for a minute, that's a scary prayer to pray for a kid. Am I going to die? I'm going to go to sleep. I'm going to die. And if I die, hopefully God will take my soul to the best place. So am I going to wake up in the morning or not? I never thought about it at the time. It was just a prayer that you said and words that I said and didn't really give it a whole lot of thought. But looking back on it, I think I'm not sure that's the best prayer to pray before you go to sleep at night for a young child. But prayer can do that. Prayer can become simply a habit, um, simply words that we've used for a long time, so we whip through it so we can eat, or we can go here, or do this, or do that. But one thing that, that really stuck out in Jesus' life to his disciples, his closest friends, the, the people who hung out with him, <clears throat> was Jesus' prayer life. When you read through the Gospels uh, in the New Testament, you discover that Jesus spent a lot of time praying. He prayed sometimes early morning, he prayed sometimes at night, sometimes prayed through the night, but he spent a lot of time in prayer. 
The disciples picked up on that, and one of the things that they asked him specifically to teach them was to teach them to pray. So Jesus spent time teaching them about prayer because he knew the importance of it. And when you read uh, the book of Acts in the New Testament, which is really the story of the first church plant, um, kind of like, you know, renew is a church plant and it takes time to get things together and you work through. And what do you, you know, what's one of the key things that you do throughout the life of the church is pray. And one of the things that set the early church apart was their commitment to prayer. Some people have said that prayer is the greatest work of the church. The very best, most important, significant thing that you can do for Renew is to pray. And to pray for God to pour out His Spirit as we just sang. Come Lord Jesus, come Holy Spirit. Because um, it makes a, a huge, huge difference. Someone else has said that prayer brings the power of heaven down to the situation on earth. To transform it and to renew it. So I want to spend uh, the time that we have this morning, and I understand that I can preach for about an hour. Is that right? Normal? Um, no. Okay. It won't be that long. <clears throat> I want to um, read a couple of stories that Jesus told related to prayer, and then talk a little bit about prayer and its importance. The first story that I want to read is uh, from that Jesus told in Luke chapter 11. And I'm going to read uh, the first 13 verses of Luke chapter 11. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. So Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Father... Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Really, the, what we commonly know as the Lord's Prayer um, is what Jesus taught at that time. And then Jesus told them a story. He said, suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. Because a friend of mine on a journey, has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me, the door's already locked, my children and I are in bed, I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. Those who seek find. And to those who knock, the door will be opened. For which of you fathers or mothers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? It's a great story. It's a real-life story. And as Jesus often did, uh, the parables that he told, the stories that he told, were real-life kind of stories that people could readily identify with. <clears throat> so if you think about this story, you, know, you have friends that are coming from out of state, and uh, everything that you know about them and all of the information that 
they have given you says that they will arrive around noon tomorrow. So you uh, do some cleaning and some things, whatever you need to do to get ready for them, and you figure, all right, to make sure everything's fresh, I'm going to the grocery store tomorrow morning, and we'll be all set by the time they get here. Except, lo and behold, about 11 o'clock, you get uh, a knock on your door, the doorbell goes off, and you go to the door, and suddenly there they are. And you're thinking, well, you could have at least texted to let us know, like, when you were coming. Um, but no, we decided to surprise you. We decided to just drive straight through, so here we are. Have you had dinner? Well, no, we haven't had anything to eat because we just, we just wanted to drive straight through. So you're thinking, okay. Grocery stores, not a 24-hour open. Could do fast food, have to do a drive-through because they're mostly closed. Not sure that's a good idea. So your next-door neighbor, in my case, would be my next-door neighbor, Gary, who um, recently moved but was my good next-door neighbor. Go over to Gary and say, hey, I have, I have a problem. I have this family just showed up. I need to, need to give them something. What do you have in your fridge and what do you have in your pantry? And he said, forget it. And I just got up. You woke me up to do this? I said, well, I'm in a tough spot here. And well, all right, yep. I'm going back to bed. You look at the fridge, you look at the pantry, take what you need, and we'll figure it out tomorrow. So that's kind of the situation that Jesus is talking about here. So the friend responds eventually because of the need that's there and because he's being bothered and he wants to go back to bed. At this point, it's not because he necessarily wants to be a good neighbor or wants to be a good friend. He just wants to get you out of there so that he can go back to bed and go to sleep. So that's the story. Jesus tells another story, not quite the same, but with some similarities in Luke chapter 18. And I want to read for you uh, the first eight verses of Luke chapter 18. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. So he said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God, even though I don't care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? The faith to persist in prayer. So this story is a little bit different. The widow and the judge. The widow is uneducated, unemployed, and poor. Because all widows... At the time when Jesus told this story, were poor, uneducated, and unemployed. That was the role of women. And especially if you were a widow. 
You had no source of income, no source of getting what you needed unless your husband who passed away had a brother who would come to your rescue. And it was really the obligation of your brother-in-law to come to your rescue. Because if he didn't, most widows ended up on the streets as prostitutes because that was the only way for them to develop an income. So here's this widow. And maybe that her adversary is a brother-in-law who refuses to help her out. Or maybe it's another guy in the village who knows her situation and is stalking her. But either way, she's being harassed by some villain, some guy who's seeking to exploit her and threaten her in some way. So the only chance she has now is to go to the local judge. And this guy is not like Judge Judy. No fear of God, doesn't care what people think, really isn't interested in justice. He makes up his own form of justice because he runs the courtroom. You kind of visualize this guy. I'm thinking that probably if he were around today, his vanity plate would say Terminator. So there's no real concern or respect for human beings. So the widow goes to court and says, give me justice. And he said, get out of here. She keeps coming back and over and over and over again until finally he cannot take it anymore. And he said, all right, if you leave me alone, I'll give you what you want. And so he does. So what are these two stories telling us about God and about ourselves and the significance of prayer? The first thing that Jesus is saying, I think, is that God is not like the sleepy friend. The friend is slow to respond. The friend is tired, needs coercion to meet the need. The friend does not immediately listen. That's not who God is. Neither is God like the judge, because the judge is crooked, disrespectful, uncaring, and God, we learn in Scripture and out of our own experience, is just and holy and sensitive. God is generous. We don't have to try to wrench blessing from Him. Because it's His desire to bless us, to empower us, and to favor us as His children. God is interested in us. It's not like the judge who could care less. We don't have to pester God to get his attention, like he's off sleeping somewhere or disinterested. God is interested in our prayers because he is interested in us and loves us more than we'll ever be able to understand or comprehend. Also, there is nothing outside of God's ability. So whatever prayer we pray, God is more than able to meet and to answer and to respond. If God were interested but unable, what good would it do to pray? And maybe sometimes you feel that way in your prayer life. Maybe there's something specific that you have prayed for over and over and over again, and it seems like God's not listening. You're not hearing from him. 
Where is he? And he needs you. I would imagine that uh, the Viss family has been praying since um, the onset of the flu that God would take it away like, okay, God, we know you can do miracles. We are suffering here. Now, take this away. But they've been battling it for a week now, and uh, good news, they're doing better. And maybe at times you feel that way, that God just, this prayer isn't being answered. I believe the Bible teaches very clearly that every prayer is answered, but sometimes the answer is no. If I make a wrong request, the answer is going to be no. If you have a young child and they love to spend time in the kitchen and you're cooking on the stove and they reach up and want to grab a hot pan or grab a burner, you say, no, don't go there. Because their request, their desire is wrong. And because you love them and because you don't want them to come to harm, you say, no. And that's what God does. Sometimes, because we have the wrong request, and he is able to see all of history laid out before him all at once, he is able to see what we cannot yet see. He says, no. It's not going to be the best for you. Even though you think it may be right now, it will not be the best for you. So at times, God says, no. Sometimes, God says, slow. You have a 14-year-old daughter who has just blossomed physically. And she comes to you and says, "Um, hey, there are a few 18-year-old boys who want me to hang out with them at the mall. Is that okay? As a parent, how do you respond? I'm the father of two daughters. I know how I responded. Um, no, that's not a good idea. Not because I didn't trust her, but being a boy, I know what 18-year-old boys think about, and uh, I'm thinking, no, this is not a good time. So it wasn't absolutely no, you will never go to the mall with anybody, but it was, no, you have to go slow. It's not time yet. When you get a little older and we have a chance to get to know your friends and you want to hang out at the mall with your friends for a while, okay. So sometimes God says, no, you're not quite ready. But in a while, it'll be there. At other times, God says no. And still other times, God says, you need to grow. There is something That God wants to build in us, develop our character, make us ready for the answer, be able to handle the answer. And so there are times when God needs to grow us spiritually, encourage us, empower us by his spirit before he will give an answer to that prayer. We may think we're all ready right now, but we may not be. When I was 16, I went to get my license. And uh, since about 13, I've been working on a farm. I grew up in northwest Iowa, so I was working on a farm for my uncle, and he had an old pickup, 
So since I was 13, 14, I was driving that pickup all over the place, through the field, up on the gravel roads, around. So when I went to get my license, I thought, you know, this is going to be a slam dunk. This is no problem. So I did the written test, passed the written test. And back then, you, uh, you got in your car, and uh, a highway patrolman got in the car with you and was with you on the driving test. So we went around town and did our stuff, and we get back to the, the county courthouse, which is where you had to do this. And I was, you know, very confident and uh, said, well, how'd I do? And he said, uh, you're not going to get your license. And I said, what? He said, yeah, um, you coasted through at least three stop signs during the time that we were driving. So he said, um, you could try again, but he said, not this time. And I was devastated. I figured I had this down. Obviously, I did not. And to this day, almost always, I can't say always, but almost always, I come to a complete stop at a stop sign. I was with a buddy of mine yesterday who feels that stop signs are merely suggestions. So um, we had this conversation yesterday, as a matter of fact. I said, well, I could never do that. Not after my experience at 16. So sometimes we need to grow. We need to change. We need to recognize there's something about us that still has to change or that God, the work that God wants to do in us before he says, yes, I will answer that prayer. And other times the answer is go. You're where you need to be. The request is right, and it's time, and God answers that prayer, and we see powerful things happen. So God wants to answer our prayer. He is not like the judge. He is not like the friend. But what do we learn about us? We also need to remember that we are not like the widow. We're not in that position. We are God's children, his heir. We are adopted. We're not abandoned. We're not on our own. We are a priority to God and not a pain to him. So he loves it when we spend time with him. No voice sounds sweeter to God than yours or mine. It's just who he is. He wants to hear from those whom he loves. It also means that we need to persist in prayer. Several years ago, I had a um, total knee replacement, and if you've had any joints replaced, most of you are far too young to even think about that. Um, but the toughest part about a joint replacement is the rehab, because you've got to get that flexibility back, and it just hurts like crazy. And you really don't want to do it. But you know that if you don't want to walk around with a limp, and you know that if you want your flexibility back, you just have to do those stretches. You've got to do those exercises every day. And it seems like for the first few months, you make absolutely no progress. I'm thinking, why am I doing this? So I called up my daughter, who's a physical therapist, and cried out to her and said, what's going on? How come I'm not way over here and I'm still over here? Nothing's going on. And she said, Dad you got to give yourself months, not days or weeks. I said, okay. So I kept doing them. 
And even though I could see only a little bit of progress each time I did it over the long haul, my knee is better than the old knee ever was. And I can do whatever I want. And it's great. But it's through persistence and discipline. Jesus says, keep on knocking. Keep on asking. Don't be discouraged. Don't give up. One of the congregations that we served was in California in Sacramento. And I remember very well um, talking with a woman there who prayed every single day for 17 years for her husband to come to know Christ. She was a believer at the time that they got married. He was not. But he was willing to go to church with her occasionally. And she said, every single day I prayed for him. Every day. And she said, I kept praying and kept praying and I figured, this is never going to change. But finally, after 17 years of praying every day for her husband to become a Christian and come to know Christ, he did. One Sunday morning, he said, I'm going to church with you today. And the message was just right. It was meant for him. The Holy Spirit took that message and just put it right into his heart. And he said, okay, I'm ready. I'm there. And it just totally transformed their marriage, as you can imagine. But it took 17 years of praying every day before that happened. So what Jesus is saying here is, wherever you are in your prayer life, remember you're a child of God, that he wants the very best for you more than you want the best for you. And that we must never, ever give up. Because when the timing is right, and we're right, and the request is right, God will answer that prayer affirmatively and show you in wonderful ways what he has in store for you. So keep praying. And allow God to use that to draw you closer to him. Because in the end, prayer is all about changing my heart to make sure that my heart is in line with God's heart and my desires are in line with his desires. So keep at it. God will answer. This is his promise through these stories. But let's pray.